Good morning. A good nerve Shabbos, nerve Shabbos Kodesh Parshas Vayechi, Tavshin Pei Beis. I want to say Shalom Aleichem to everybody, to uh, many, many Talmidim, both from Nir Yaakov and good friends who I was able to see while I was in the States. This recording is being recorded. Erev Shabbos Kodesh in Yerushalayim, Yerak Kodesh. I was able to, first of all, to be in America for Kemat two weeks, to have the great opportunity to be making some great mitzvahs and to get great nachas from so many Talmidim. And then to be able to return to Eretz Yisrael. It's not so simple today, to be able to go in and out. But because I'm an Israeli citizen, I'm able to, I was able to fly back in. I am uh, in now what's called Bidud for three days in my house. Uh, even though I have... I took a PCR yesterday at the uh, airport and it already returned negative, but because of the, the Omicron variant, they're being very, very strict here in Eretz Yisrael. They're not letting tourists in. We hope and we pray that, number one, the variant should go away. The, we see that the Rebbe is fearing the veld, and he's, a, he's, a, he's not only allowing this, he's doing this, and there's definitely reasons behind it. What those reasons behind it are, uh, we don't really know. But hopefully from the parasha, we'll get some chizik. We always try to get chizik from the parasha. So first, just to speak a little bit about my trip and what kind of schusim I had. And when I say I had, really, Rabbanu was mezakah me. I was able to be mekayin the midst of Kibbutzim to visit my mother. She should be well in Baltimore and Baruch Hashem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is watching over. She continue to watch over and she should be zoka to a long life with good health. I had as from Shona. At the same time, I was able to visit my children in Cleveland, my grandchildren, and uh, my daughter, my son-in-law, Reb Nissim, and his wife, Ricky. We had a lot of nachas, we had time to bond. And that's also something which we're going to speak about, the bonding of family, how important that is, and one shouldn't take it lightly. Thirdly, I was able to see my Rebbe, my Rebbe Umayri, Rebruvain Feinstein Schlitter should be stark. It was a big schuss and really was exciting, both from my perspective and his perspective, able to go to his house and to talk with him and to daven with him and to be able to get hadrocha from him. She should continue to watch over him, she should give him good health. Also, I'd may have asked from Shona. And last but not least, the Talmidim, the reunions that we had from the Niryakov Talmidim both in Baltimore and in New York, and the individual meetings that I had, tremendous amount of nachas, and to see how everyone is growing, and each one, kol echad ve'echad, the fi'echolta, was really a, a, a kiddush Hashem, and I just want to give a shout out to everybody. I wasn't able to see everybody, but whoever came, and anyone was able to speak to and to meet, and anyone that wasn't able to, to speak to and meet, really just want to give everyone a bracha that Mitz Hashem, we should all be zoicher Mitz Hashem to gesund parnos and nachas. We should be zoicher to come to Eretzrol together with Mashiach Tzidkein and Meher of Yameinu Amen. So the parsha, this parsha, as we know, parsha by Yechiel is the last parsha in Sefer Bereshis. And uh, as we mentioned in previous years, some of the simple things and some of the lessons we can learn, but we'll try to speak not only some divrei Torah. But also some great stories. But we know the parishes by Yaakov Eretz Mitzrayim. Yaakov Avinu now is being reunited. Has been reunited with Yosef. Comes down to Eretz Mitzrayim. He lives there for Shvas, Rishonah. 
Altogether, he lives for 147 years. Mufarshim al the Vayechi, is really Gematria 34 because it's Maramas. It's the 17 years that he had with Yosef before he was Yosef was sent out. And now the final 17 years that he has Yosef, those Lamedalad Shona was his Vayechi uh, because we know that Yosef is the Demus the Yukna of, Yosef, of Yaakov. And that's everything was imparted into, from Yaakov to Yosef. Yosef is the leader of Klai Yisrael in Mitzrayim, and therefore it's a Bechina from Vayechi. Um, the uh, Rashi says that this parish is a parish of Stuma. As we know in Sefer Torah, there is no Hefsik uh, of lines between them. It's all completely a conglomerate of one. And I heard over Chibiyas Chus from my aunt, Millie Drebin, daughter of Rabbi Fassman Zetzal, and he herself, she herself, a great mechanechus for many, many years. She's not well today. She has Alzheimer's. But her words, her divrei chachma, are really great. We want to say it over a word that we once heard from her. We might have mentioned in the past that she used to say that this is really a remez. Parashastuma is really the parish of Klal Yisrael. The Jewish people are parashastuma. doesn't make sense how we get through all the trials and tribulations and the exiles and the holocausts and the pogroms. Parashas Tuma, is always watching over us. So it's a lesson for us that we should know that we all live a Parashas Tuma. A lot of times when we have difficulties in life, we should recognize this is all part of the, um, of the life of a Yid. And a person has to recognize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with him. The Iker is that uh, to be mischazek, and that we're going to speak about in a few minutes, but uh, how does a person, number one, get through the Golos? The Midah of Yaakov, as the Chedush Arim says, Yaakov is the Midah Sa'emes. Midah Sa'emes is able to remove all the boundaries, all of the, 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 the difficulties, all of the Meitzarim, all of the restrictions, through the Midah of Yaakov, Echi Yaakov, when we follow the Emes, we follow the Torah, we follow the Derech of the Messiah that's given to us, then we're able to get, break through all the all the restrictions. And especially in these times, when we see again, there's a lot of restrictions and the variance and the being and the need to be so careful again. Uh, when we say again, it's been a long period, but we've gone through ups and downs. We have to recognize not to lose sight, not to lose hope. But with the Midas HaEmes, we're able to go through the Parsha Stuma. Um... I heard from uh, a, a, a vart that it says, we're all famous, Rashi brings down that what's, what's the parish of Stuma? Shinistma in Eichem, the Liban Shayisov in Mitzrayim. The Mitzvah Sashibud. Klai Yisrael, their hearts were stuffed up from the, from the difficulties of the begin of the Shibud. And everyone asked the question that, what do you mean, as long as we know, as long as one of the Shvatim was alive, then there was no Shiva. Then the Egyptians did not put uh, Kla Yisrael into the into the restrictions. So there are many many answers. We'll just say over the simple answer. But many many Masvarim say that even though they weren't put into the Shiva Haguf, but the Shiva Haruchni, the spiritual demise, the, the the spiritual lacking, the spiritual um, Yerida of the Dairis, that was a chelik of the Shiva, and this was all part of the stima of the closeness. Klaiswell didn't realize that they're really falling in the Madragas of Ruchnius. Came to this new land, they came to Mitzrayim, 
they, they, it says, Vayochsu, Vayirba, in the previous parasha, they began to become members of the society, so to speak, even though they were separate in Gaishan, but we know that the, the surroundings have an effect upon us. And in every generation, we realize in the, in the times of Golos, there's a Yerida and Ruchnius, and that itself is the Kaishia Shibud. That's the beginning of the Shibud. We don't even recognize it. But this is something that a person has to be mischazik. And what's the answer? The answer is in the parsha. It says, See again, a remez of a chizuk. So I heard from a, from, from, from a, from a, a great rabbi who said that this is the parsha of chayla. When Yaakov Ida becomes a chayla, becomes ill. First time we see illness in the world. But Yaakov is mechazik himself on the Rosh Amita. So we have to be mischazik. And we know at the end of this parasha, we're going to lay the last psukim of Rashi's, and we're going to say chazak, chazak, v'nitz chazek, because every yid, no matter what's going on, he has to mischazik, be mechazik in the emes, and then that will be the answer, how we get through the shibut of the Golos, and not to allow ourselves to fall into the to the demise of the Ruchnius, but Adirabah, to be mechazik as much as we can. And I've seen uh, while it was my trip in the States to see how many people that are trying their utmost. I spoke to Talmidim from Ner Yaakov who are making, have storim, who listen to the Dafayomi, who try their utmost to keep Torah and mitzvahs and to be mechazik, their families. So that's one aspect. One aspect is to be mechazik. Be mechazik and to be the Zemis. Another aspect is what the Pasuk says, that when Yaakovina gathers together the, tro- the troops, so to speak, it says, "Vayikra Yaakov al-Bana v'yom hey asfu v'agidolchem es hashir yikra eschem v'achras ayomim." He kafzu v'shom of Yaakov v'shuma Yisrael avichem. He tells them to gather together. Rashi says he went to be megalad the kates, and the the kates was the, the the time period when Mashiach was going to come, and the shechina was taken away from him. But what he was telling them was, if you want to know how we're going to be zochet to the gula, it's only through the koyach of. Hey Asu, the, the the concept of Achtus Biyachad Shifta Yisrael. When we're together, then we're able to stand up against all of the difficulties that come about. There's a the concept of, of Achtus. I spoke to my Rebbe, Rebruven, Shibikazutnishtark, and I asked him a specific Shilas. Without going into the specific Shilas, he told me a tremendous, some tremendous lessons concerning the Indian of how important family uh, Achtus is all about, the stay away from family strife. The Pasuk says, A person should be very careful not to remove himself, like it says, like this Alim, and you know, don't remove yourself from your flesh, from your blood, from your relatives. And he said over, you know, there are a lot of stories that we've said over in the past, but this was a new story that he told me. He said that when he was in Eretz Yisrael, one of the first times he was here, he always used to go to visit his relative, Rav Michal Feinstein. Rav Michal was not only a great Talmud Chacham, we were zoichet to go to him in Ner Yaakov and to hear him speak and to give brachas. He was the son-in-law of the Briskarov. His wife was Rebetzin Lifsha. And Rav Ruvain and his Rebetzin, Rebetzin Shila, whenever they would come, they would always go to see the Rebetzin Lipsha, she herself was the, not only <laughs> the, the wife of Reb Michal, but she was the daughter of the Briskarov. She had a tremendous amount of Chachma. And uh, 
but they were briskers, they were very, very from. One time when Rebuven was here in Eretz Yisrael, he said that he had to go, it was a Talmud that was getting married, and wanted Rebuven to be Messiah Kedushin, and Rebuven had to go to the Rabbanut, in order, I guess, to get papers, and to sign papers, to these people to officiate at the wedding. And when he was there, the Pakid, the person that was in charge of the Rishum for the Nesuin, was a Yid with a Kippah Sruga, <coughs> he was a Rav, when Reuven asked him what his name is, he said his name is Salavechik. He was from the Salavechik family, but he had he had become a Mizrahi for whatever reason. Uh, he was uh, a from person, but it definitely wasn't the uh, the the mus, the picture of what the Salavechiks from Eretz Yisrael, the Briskerov, was all about. But Reuven was Machabit, the person like every every yid, and uh, and he left. And then a couple of days later, after the city of Kedushin, a couple of days later, he went to visit his relative again, Rebbe Sanlifshin. Rebbe Sanlifshin said, Oh, Rebbe Ruven, it's so good that you're here because I want you to meet. There's a, there's a, there's a, a Karav that's here and that, that came to visit us as well. You should get to know him because you're Mishpacha. Rebbe Ruven is Mishpacha, not only with, with the Salavechiks from Rebbe Sanlifshin, but there's a connection between Rebbe Moshe Zetzal and Rebbe Yashabir Salavechik from Boston. That going into all of the <laughs> family history. So Reuben goes and he sees who's sitting by the table by Rebbe Salifshin and Rebbe Michal. It's this relative, this Salavechik, that was the Rav, that was in the Rabbanut. And Reuben saw then that no matter that there was maybe an ideological uh, difference between the way the Brisker Rav family would run their life and why this person necessarily read his life, but it was family. And family, there's an Indian of the Psarchat Hassan, you always have to be Mechazik. Rav Shach, I said over to Rebuvin that Rav Shach Zetzal had a granddaughter that was in the army, and uh, she was the daughter of his son, Rav Ephraim. Rav Ephraim was a, was a, had a doctorate, and he was very, very close to his father, but he also was involved with the Misrat Achinuch. His daughter went to the army, she wore pants. She was religious, dati to a certain extent, but she definitely wasn't uh, the Musa of a Beisaka girl, but she used to come when she had her days off, her weekends off, she would come on Fridays to visit her grandfather, and Rav Shach always used to say, the 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 the, the, the is here. Everyone knew Rav Shach would sit in the kitchen with her and would have coffee and tea and cake, and they would sit and they would schmooze, and Rav Shach was mechapeter. Rav Shach was what? Rav Shach always used to take care because family, Rabbi said, there's nothing more important than family. Famous Maisha with Rav Maisha, which I said over, that I heard from Rav Michal Shurkin, that there was the uh, a yid that came from Eretzol that was family it was a mishpacha with the Feinsteins, it was raising money for his yeshiva in the days before there were cell phones, and uh, Reb Moshe had heard that he was there in America, and Reb Ruvain was making a bar mitzvah. He wanted very much that this relative should come to the bar mitzvah, and he nudged Reb Michal Shurkin to go find this person. It was very hard to find this person, and Reb Michal started making phone calls. He couldn't find him. There's no cell phones in those days. Seems he was traveling across the United States. Finally, he found out that he was in the Midwest on the way to Los Angeles. And he called him and he was up to speak with him. And he said, the Rashiva wants very much. He should come for a Shabbos to our mitzvahs. And the person said, I came to America to raise money. You know, he says, no, the Rashiva will not take it. No for excuse. He says, you must come for Shabbos. He's even willing to pay for the ticket. And you'll go on later back to California. This person came because Rav Moshe held Mipsar Chalatasalim. That's one lesson, how we get through the Golas, by the fashtarkening, by the strengthening of the ties between the families, to recognize 
Sometimes there are going to be members of the family who don't necessarily uh, follow in the way that you, you know you would necessarily follow, but they're members of the family. Members of the family, Rebuven said, that's it takes precedence over many, many different points. Especially in the days that we live in. The next thing we want to say is The Pasuk says that when Yaakov Avinu tells Yosef he should make sure that they can sure to take him, he buried her. It's says, he says, I was able to get an extra place for you, Shechem, which is where Yosef is buried. I took it from the hands of the Amari, which Rashi says is Esav. With my sword and with my bow and arrow. And Rashi says it's going on Chachma and Tefillah. The Torah, I was called Cherev, and the Keshet was called Tefillah. But the Targum Yonzim ben says it's Tzulusi Yubausi. And the Zayar said Tzulusi Yubausi. Tefillah and another language of tefillah. And the Mepharshim explained, what is this double language of tefillah? So the Meshachachar and Simcha and the Briskarov also says a similar word, says there's two types of tefillahs. So it's called the regular tefillah. The tefillah that we have from the Anshik Nesizak Doilo, the Matbeya, the coin, which the Chachamim set up, that we should have in the different brachas. And each bracha, especially in the Shman Esri, in all tefillahs, but in Shman Esri specifically, has tremendous, tremendous koychus. We don't realize in a very short fashion how much koyach there is in each tefillah. That is a set type of, of, of davening. That is like a cherev. It's like a sword. A sword has sharp edges. You don't need a lot of koyach. You just have to press it and you'll cut with it. But then there's a, what's called private private tefillahs, what's called bakoshas. When a person davens Hashem, not necessarily in Shman but he says till him and he davens for a tzara that's taking place to him. Then it's a ba'usi. Then it's like a kesha. It's like a bow and arrow. That a person has to pull back and the harder he pulls, the long, the, 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 the further and the more striking the arrow will have its impact. And that's what a person needs. When he's not davening a regular shmanes, so he doesn't have the kayach of the anshik nesagla, then he needs a lot more kavon, a lot more prayer. That's the ba'usi. That's the pekeshet. I saw today from Rav Diskin Shlita, he brings down a Gavalda Gavard. He says, Where do we see that Yaakov had two tefillahs? That he, that he says, He says, Very, very good. It says, After Yaakov is running away from Esav, it says, He met at that place and he slept there. And Rashi says, That's where he set up. The tefillah of Myruf. We know that Avram set up Shachris, Yitzchok Mincha, Yaakov set up Myruf. What was that? That was the Nusach of the tefillah of Myruf. But later on, the Pasuk says in Parshish Vayishlach, when Yaakov Avinu finally meets up with Esav after all those years of running away, so he says, He says to Akash Please praise him, please save me. That was a bakash. He shouldn't kill Esav. He shouldn't be killed. His children should be safe. That was that was a, a, a bakasha proteus. That was ne- that needed hatsileni no. That's the two tefillas. Ah, gevaldik. Becharbi ubekash. Yaakov was misak and tefillas myriv. That nusach hatfil like a cherev. And then later on, he shows us the way how a person should daven. Put in his own tefillas. And this is a great lesson for all of us as we live through the gullus and we live through the 
the the stima. We're living through time periods where we don't quite see how things are going to open up for us, how we're going to get through the Mitzarim. So we have to recognize, no, we have these two kaychas, Rabbi. These two kaychas. The kaych of achtas, especially in the family, and the kaych of tefillah, the, the bakashas that we can have, and the, the tefillah b'tziba that we have. Ah, the davening itself. I want to say over two fantastic stories that I saw this morning. I want to share it with you, with, with the oilam. Not necessarily in the same vein, but they're all in the same vein. The how a person, how people, with one act of greatness can be haba. There was a year that lived in Petach Tikva. His name was Rabaran Baifus. Rabaran Baifus was a great rav over fifty years. It was a rav of a shul, and his brother is Rabbi Yisrael Baifus, who wrote the famous sefer Lekach Toiv Al used very widely by many many people. Rabaran Baifus was a Great Talmud Chacham, a great love of a shul. And he, him and his wife were not Zohar to have children. They lived for many, many years in Petach Tikva. Everyone said whenever they would see the Rav and his wife walking, they always they always had such shalom and such peace and such uh, dignity. But they weren't Zohar to have children. And eventually, as they got older, his wife passed away and Rabbi was by himself, didn't have any children to take care of him. Members of the family, members of the community would come literally to bring food to him, especially on Shabbos, and they would sit with him. Then eventually he got ill, and his nephews would come and spend time with him, both in the house and in the hospital. A week before he was nifter, one of the nephews said he was sitting by his uncle, and his uncle said to him something strange, which he didn't understand what he was talking about. He said to him, do you know where the theater tickets are? Do you know where the theater tickets are? So his nephew was a from guy, he was theater tickets, theater. He couldn't understand what he was talking about. He was too, he didn't want to bother him. He thought maybe he's a little bit uh, losing it, so to speak. And then eventually, within a few days, his uncle passed away. He never knew what he was talking about. Then his father was sitting Shiva. His father was the only relative that was sitting Shiva. And he asked his father about the Shiva. What's the story? He told him over what happened with his theater tickets. So his, his father said to him, ah, you don't realize what those theater tickets were. He said that there was a time period in Petach Tikva when again the irreligious, the Chilonim decided that they want to have theater opened on Shabbos. So the city backed the bylaws and they announced that there's going to be a theater play that's going to take place on Friday night and they're selling tickets for the city and Mavaifus was very, very concerned and was very upset about the fact that it would be Chilos Shabbos. So what did he do? He decided what he's going to do is he can't stop them. The laws were made. He t- I think he tried to speak with them, and they they said, no, we're going through with it. This is what we believe is really what has to be done. Uh, people don't go to shul. They want to have a good time. So what did he do, Revifus? He went, and he bought up all the tickets to the theater. It cost him a fortune of money. He didn't have that money, but he, he took out money from his pension, whatever he had. And then he decided afterwards he was going to ask people, maybe people were trying to be mishtatif with him. He bought up all the tickets. And he they, they had no one there. They had nothing they could do about it. Legally, that's it. He bought the tickets. He, he, he bought the place. So there was no chil Shabbos, that Shabbos. There were people in the community that they said, you know, the Rav did a great thing, but we have to go pay for this. You know what I mean? The next week, <laughs> or the next opportunity, the Rav, the, the Uriah, will try to do something. They will... Um, 
he's not going to buy it up every single week. So Rav Baifus himself had a little halishus. So he went to the stiplers at Sal. He asked the stipler what he did was proper. And the stipler said, Rav Aaron, what you did was a gavaldik and mice. You should know that was your ticket to heaven. You ever heard that line, ticket to heaven? He didn't say this word, ticket to heaven. He says, but that's going to be your kartis, kinisata, oilam habo. And that's the meaning of the story that he told his nephew. He says, I, he must have kept all those tickets. He says, I want you to go find those tickets. I, I wish, you know, if those tickets, those are the tickets that I want to have to go to Olam Abba. Now, for sure, he didn't necessarily bring the physical tickets to Olam Abba. Rabbanu knows what it's all about. I saw a similar miser, Rabbi Zayn, <laughs> just this morning. What a great miser. They brought down in the Yated that my good friend, Rabbi Alan Kimchi was, was a rough for many, many years in England. Now he's made Aliyah. He has, he has a wonderful son, Rabbi Shmuli Kimchi, who is the Menahel of a great Talmud Torah in Beit Shemesh called Netzach Yisrael. I have grandson, Ariel Lift, that goes there. And Shmuli Kimchi was quoted in today's Yated saying over a story. I've heard different um, versions of the story, but really it's just worthwhile to say over the story. If all the Pratim are really <laughs> you have to get the reality check on it, but it's, it doesn't make a difference. The message of the story is Givaldic. It seems that in New York City, as some of you might know, there are different, um, uh, how would you say it, signs that are placed in very, very prominent places, especially uh, to catch people's attention. And unfortunately, the signs are not necessarily what's called modest. There are many, many scenes. They want to sell things. This is what, this is what sells in America. And um, and there was a prominent display that was uh, placed right across the street from a, 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 a Talmud Torah, a yeshiva, that kids would go every day. And unfortunately, there's no question, even the little kids, but everyone's affected by the scenes that they see. There was a Yid, his name was Martin. Martin was not necessarily a tzaddik, uh, that's a well-known tzaddik, but it bothered him every day. He would pass by and he would see these kids going to Cheder, Talmud Torah, and he saw this very, very gigantic, provocative sign, like right across the highway, that he saw every day. He decided, you know what, I have to do something about this. So he saw the sign, the telephone sign for the advertising company, he called the advertising company, he says, listen, how much does it cost to take, uh, uh, to take over that spot for three months? So they told him it costs $90,000. It's, it's $30,000 a month. And he says, well, when can, I, when can I get that sign removed and get up my own sign? He says, as soon as you sign the deal, within a couple of hours, we'll remove the sign. That's what happened. He went and he took out $90,000 of his savings. He wasn't a wealthy man. He took out $90,000 of his savings. He went to the office. He signed the contract. Within an hour, they had taken down the sign. After a day, they called me and said, well, listen, we took down the sign. What kind do you want to put up? What do you want to advertise? He says, well, he didn't really, it wasn't, it didn't have a business. He wasn't going to advertise anything. He said, you know what? It was the day after the 90th day. He's put up the number 89. And consequently, continue to put up every day in uh, 89, 88, 87. And that's what happened. So all over, I think it was New York, people were watching the sign above, I think the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. And all of a sudden, or one other tunnel or something like that, uh, on the BQE, all of a sudden they see 89, 87, 88. People just watching and thought, well, for sure there's going to be some something at the end that's going to surprise everybody. This person stopped 
a immodest effect for over three months. On day, um, four days before the end of the 90 days, four days left, this man receives a phone call from the advertising company. He says, Coca-Cola would like to buy out the last four days of your period because they feel that they can put up, especially when they get to number one, that Coke is number one, it's going to be a big hit. So they're willing to pay for your four for your four days left. They're willing to pay a measly sum of $3 million. Rabbi said, the ticket, the real, the real million dollars, the real ticket to heaven was the fact that this man had a, a thought that I can help to solve a problem. Rabbi Zai, let's get our tickets to heaven. We're sitting the last parsha, parsha's gracious, like it says by Yaakov, let's gather together all our koiches, and in the midst of the stima, in the midst of the hester, a Yehudi lives with the koich of Emes, and we'll get the brachas, like it says in this parsha, the brachas, the avas albanim, let's bench our children, let's be mechazik our families, we'll be mechazik, with a gaiva de kedusha, chazak chazak venis chazek. Thank you very much for listening. We want to thank jfoundations.com. If you could sponsor any of our activities, it'd be another way of addressing and being able to give over Torah to other people. Go on the website and show your support. Thank you very much for joining us.